Hello and welcome folks to another exciting episode of the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Mayer, and today, boy, do we have a fantastic episode lined up for you. Our guest is someone who, if you'll pardon the pun, really knows how to crank the gears and keep the manufacturing conveyor belt of success running at top speed. Please allow me to introduce the high-flying executive who's constantly navigating the dynamic world of business development, strategy, operations, and leadership. Ladies and gentlemen, strap on your safety goggles and hard hats because we're diving deep into the heart of modern manufacturing with none other than Mr. Adam Crandall. Adam's pedigree in this field is truly impressive. He's piloted high-performing teams at prominent companies such as VWR International, which is now Avantor Health Sciences, Refraction Technologies Corp, uh, Micro Instrument Corp, and Dynamic Design Solutions. He's a master negotiator, a keen strategist, and an innovative thinker whose leadership continues to shape the manufacturing landscape in the most remarkable ways. Currently serving as the Chief Revenue Officer at Adtronics, Adam is on an electrifying mission to revitalize American manufacturing. He's turning the cogwheels of innovation, pushing the boundaries of what's possible, and ushering in a new era of robotic automation that promises to revolutionize our domestic manufacturing sector. Adtronics and Adam are all about making things in the US again, and they're walking the talk. From increasing throughput and improving worker safety to enhancing quality and driving velocity, their vision is nothing short of a vibrant robotics-infused future for American manufacturing. Their approach is built on trust, high standards, and a belief that we are indeed better together. Adam, a hearty welcome to you. We're excited to learn more about your journey and jump into your perspective on the future of manufacturing. Folks, if you're as revved up as I am about this, then you're in for a real treat. So without further ado, let's get this party started. Welcome, Adam, to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Jim. Thanks for the introduction. Absolute honor to be here and excited to sit down with you and have a conversation this afternoon. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Adam, I was introduced to you uh, by Haley, who works for you there at Adtronics. Uh, she had reached out to the, the podcast. Uh, I don't know how she found us, but uh, I always love when people, uh, our listeners, uh, reach out and say, hey, we've got this leader at our company that you've got to talk to. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit more about Adtronics. Uh, what, what do you guys do? How big are you? Uh, what, what's the history of the company? Yeah, great question, Jim. And it's a pretty amazing story, actually. So Adtronics was formed by Caho Partners uh, in October of last year in 2022. Our owners, Max and Griffin, are huge proponents of American manufacturing. And they are a, a boutique PE firm with a lot of family office investment. And what they decided to do is they looked at two of the companies that they currently own in the manufacturing space. And they mm -hmm. noticed there were significant challenges in the market with labor. And everyone's seeing it right now everywhere in today's economy. You can't yeah. find people that either want to work. There's a labor shortage. There's talented 
these, you know, these talented jobs that are really just, they're not drawing people into today's economy. And, and Max and Griffin took a step back and said, huh, what do our companies that we own really need right now? Well, if we can't find people, we need something to keep up with the demand and the production of the products that we sell. One way we can do this is through custom automation and robotics. So a light bulb went off in these really talented individuals head and they formed Adtronics. And Adtronics is a world-class robotics and automation holding company that is on a mission to reshore and revitalize American manufacturing. They are looking to acquire about three to five automation, manufacturing, and robotics companies every year to build this world-class juggernaut in the United States of robotics and automation companies and really do the unthinkable. Uh, they've already acquired three companies so far in less than 12 months. Uh, in my intro, you mentioned it, Dynamic Design Solutions, which was a company that I spearheaded from a business development standpoint. They were the first acquisition down in Charlotte, North Carolina in October that allowed me with the opportunity to join Edtronics, the corporate parent company now of Dynamic Design and attain the chief revenue officer role, which has been just a, a huge honor. And from there, we acquired Missouri Tooling and Automation in January. And shortly after that, our most recent acquisition about three weeks ago, Bow Robotics in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, now puts three acquisitions on the board for us and many more to follow. And I just cannot be more excited to be a part of their altruistic story, uh, their goals and objectives, again, to revitalize and reshore American manufacturing. And really, at the end of the day, look around the products in the grocery store, whether it's a Uber Eats order, you're sitting down at a restaurant, <laughs> they want to empower the companies in their family of brands to literally make the products of the world that you and I use every day as a consumer in the United States. That's, that's awesome. It's not often that I am uh, speechless during um, my guest's first uh, opening monologue. <laughs> um, but I, I'm absolutely speechless because that that's a really neat story. That's a, that's a really neat way and reason that Atronics has, has come to fruition and, and come to life. And it's, you're absolutely right. Your last point there. That's what I talk to high school students and middle school students about all the time. When I talk to them about manufacturing is everything that you are looking at has been touched by manufacturing in, in some way, shape or form from the clothes you wear to the food you eat, cars that your parents drive or you drive, uh, everything that you uh, interact with every day comes from this wonderful sector that we're in. Exactly. Can, could not agree more. And again, with, with today's economy, you know, we're taught, I feel like and almost programmed as young professionals right in elementary school, middle school, high school, you got to go to college. You have to go get a, you got to get a four-year degree, right? You have to do this. And, and we're seeing right now all of these skilled labor jobs and, and these trades that are fueling our economic growth, especially not just Wall Street, but Main Street, Small Business America, USA. These, these individuals don't want to go in these jobs because we're taught that it's, it's not good to do that. It's not a, a high, high exciting profession or a very lucrative profession, or it's a very you know, proud profession to be. And we're told that through our educators, through our families right. sometimes. And, and that's one of the things why I also am just so impressed with Atronics mission. We're ultra, also very altruistic with our community outreach to 
try to work with young professionals, the Gen Z generation, the millennial generation and say, hold on, these jobs in the trades, these blue collar roles, they're extremely good uh, vocations. These are what the country needs versus I uh, just go to school, get a four year degree and sit behind a desk all day. Atronics yeah. is really trying to, you know, change the outlook of our young professionals' mindsets and, and bring back American manufacturing through having our young professionals re-enter the workforce in these manufacturing jobs. And I, I could not be more proud to support that. That's awesome. Uh, I love it. Uh, and, and that's that's one of the huge keys to our skills gap in this industry is is looking at reskilling. Uh, current workforce as people are being laid off from other industries, how do you reskill them into our, uh, our industry? How do you look at veterans? How do you look at people who were previously incarcerated and, exactly. and get them involved? Because we can't just rely on high school, college, middle school students. We, we, there are a lot of people out there who can fill these roles in this industry. So uh, I, I love hearing what you guys are talking about. It, it sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, I can completely agree. Again, if, if we're going to have America boom in the next generation, we need to bring American manufacturing back to the States. There's a huge supply chain risk. People saw it during COVID, Jim. We have yeah. to become less reliant on the APAC region, on China. And, and again, when you look at what Edtronic's model is, you know, we're looking at these small businesses, these companies that might be 100 million, 50 million or less in size, and they're bringing all these companies under one umbrella and really looking to foster innovation, put capital and investment behind these companies so America can be a better country and our economy can be much stronger for years ahead. That's awesome. Uh, that's awesome, Adam. Um, so Adtronics is, is relatively new. Our, our first uh, you know, question that I always ask is, is what has your cultural journey been? Um, and, and so tell us a little bit about uh, your time at, at uh, the, the previous organization that was absorbed, uh, what was that, uh, design? Yeah, uh, dynamic, dynamic design. design. Yeah, so tell us about the culture there, uh, the culture as as you guys, uh, as Adtronics was kicked off. Um, what, what's been the culture like? Yeah, it's a great question, Jim. So I would say, you know, when I came to Dynamic Design back in 2018, you know, we were at a pivotal point. The company was, was growing a few percentage points here or there. Uh, but my CEO and founder, Brad DeMarco, approached me and they, they brought me on board on the senior leadership team and said, Adam, we want to take this company to 10 million. We've never been able to do that in our 23 year history. And mm. when you have growth, there's a lot of challenges that come with that from a culture aspect. And I think one of the biggest things as a leader that I continue to focus on, especially when you get into the C-suite or more senior type executive roles, you can't physically do the tasks every single day to grow an organization. Your, your way of growing a company is through motivating, supporting, and influencing others to really remove obstacles in front of them to make them their best selves and help them reach their highest potential. And again, a strong believer in take care of your, your employees and they'll take care of your customers and they will take care of your business. And that's been my, my approach when I joined Dynamic Design in 2018, it was a three-year journey. And one of the things I noticed was uh, we had pretty quick hockey stick growth. And that was wow. relatively due to A, getting the wrong people off the bus. I strongly <laughs> believe that you have one employee that is a toxic employee 
that one bad apple can ruin the entire apple orchard of those groups of high performing employees. And we had that when I joined, we had a few people that didn't belong on the team. We had to make some changes. And as leaders, you have to make tough decisions. In addition to that, it's putting the right people on the team. You know, there's a lot of people out there that watch Ted Lasso, right? Fantastic, (laughs) fantastic series. I love that show. Jason Sudeikis is is incredible in that show, but you know, it's kind of funny. There's a lot of parallels into, you know, me being as a, a leader to what Ted Lasso does, you, you look at him and his role is, you know, making these these men in that movie. And in my world, it's not just men, it's women as well. We're bringing women into manufacturing and droves here in Entronic. But how do you That's help awesome. these people reach their greatest potential? And, and every single yeah. day, why do they want to come choose to work for us at Entronic? So I think Ted Lasso looks at that where you're focusing on the people as not just an employee, but these are real people. They have family challenges. They have lives outside of work. So how do you make sure that you're focused on their needs, their goals, their objectives? You're looking at them in a multi-dimensional way versus just on a piece of pen and paper on a spreadsheet that you're just here to, to produce a number. And I think that's one of the things that I did when I was at Dynamic Design for three years. And within literally three years, we quadrupled the business, Jim. I mean, literally quadrupled it. That led wow. to our acquisition at Edtronics, where Edtronics said, okay, you know, this company is got a solid foundation. They have an extremely valuable commercial playbook, which is sales applications and marketing that we brought to the organization. And that led to our acquisition in October. And I think, you know, a, a good parlay of that is taking this culture that we've built here at Dynamic Design. And now in my role, at least from the commercial standpoint, and also focusing, you know, on, on partnering with the leadership team, of taking this successful culture that led to this hockey stick quadrupling growth at DDS and now scaling it across the entire Edtronics organization and every family of company that we are acquiring. I think that's kind of how we've been so successful. And that's how I look at culture. It's a people first approach versus a dollar focus first. Absolutely. Pardon me. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you have to be human centric. And, and as you're building that culture, the a, a culture is, is really just alignment of values between uh, an organization and its leadership team and the employees that work for that organization, right? Uh, so you, you we, we've talked about the different brands that are under the Adtronics umbrella. How do you how do you, how does Adtronics work to uh, unite that vision of values across those various brands and make sure that they're they're sharing that common mission and vision and, and values uh, when they may not be in the same place? Yeah, that's a great point, Jim. And I think this is one of the cool things that Adtronics has done different. And th- this was the vision of our owners, Max and Griffin, you know, there's a pretty big competitor out there that I won't name just out of respect for the industry that had a similar strategy to us. And we're, we're kind of following, and I would say not really following, we're leading the charge, but we've looked at what they've done. And their model was just acquire all these companies, stick them all together, mesh them all together. And whatever comes out in the wash, it is what it is. We're going to focus on profitability over people and whatever happens, happens. Adtronics mm-hmm. has got a different approach. They're looking at it and saying, when you join our family of brands and we acquire you, you still get to remain autonomous from a culture standpoint. We're going to keep your culture. We're going to preserve your culture. But at the same time, 
We're going to give you the benefits, the benchmarks, the world-class processes and the tools that maybe you couldn't afford as a small standalone operation. And I think that's the big difference right now. So these three companies Got we it. purchased are company in Missouri, company in Charlotte, North Carolina and Cincinnati, Ohio, vastly different parts of the country, vastly different people, different morals, right. values, how they live their life. But at the end of the day, we are looking at how do we empower all of our family of companies, letting them preserve their cultures that they've had for 20, 25, 50 years, some of these companies that have been around where they don't feel like now they're just joining a large corporate juggernaut and they're gonna lose that independence. And I think that's one of the things that we've done really well is we have these companies, when we acquire them, we say, hold on, not only are you gonna get the whole toolkit that you might not have been able to have before, but you still get to keep your autonomy. You still get to keep your culture preserved. And a lot of companies that are joining Edtronics are, are really excited about that. And they feel like if they become part of us, they also don't lose themselves in the process. And that's that's huge. So how do, how do you guys work to build that trust? I mean, when I was looking at uh, the Edtronics website, uh, preparing for this episode, uh, trust is a core value. And huge. you guys say it, I believe, on, on page one of your website. Uh, so how do you build the trust that allows your brands under that Adtronics umbrella to retain that autonomy, right? How, how do you build that out? Because I, I see that being a, a huge challenge for a lot of companies in, in that space that are acquiring companies uh, is, is that trust in the PE or, or the venture capital group. How do you build that trust with the companies you acquire and the employees that work for them? Yeah, so I think this is one of the main ways we do that, Jim, is number one, Atronics is backed by family money, which is pretty cool. Like a lot of people think, oh, it's private equity, it's venture capital. Atronics is right. different. We actually have what we call family office money. These are people like you and me have kids, families, husbands, wives, spouses, get up every day and they worked really hard and they've made it in America. And now they're investing in a company like Edtronics, these families that have come together and they see a huge play in this market. So I look at it where these small companies that we're acquiring, instead of having to go, oh, well, we're joining private equity, they're not. They're joining family office backed money with a company that is extremely invested in their people, these businesses and giving them the tools to continue to foster their growth. I think the next big thing is that when we acquire the companies, we actually ask the founders and the owners that started these companies to stay on board. And we give them an employment contract and we say, hey, just because we're acquiring your business, we're not just going to replace you and say, sail off into the sunset, thanks for what you did. We want you to still stay engaged and invested in the business. And we've done that with our current companies right now. And the employees love that because at the end of the day, when the deal closes at 11.59 and the new morning sun arises and you're now part of the Edtronics family, most employees don't even really notice a major change because their wow. president's still there. Majority of their leadership team is still there. As long as, again, to your point, there's trust, there's integrity, where we're working together collaboratively. That's our mission and that's our goal. And I think that's a huge thing that prevents major hurdles right out of the gate. And I would say, lastly, we set expectations and we have a great M&A process. So when we acquire a company, they know exactly what they're getting into. They know the Adtronics way. They know the expectations. They know our core values. And before they even 
become part of the Edtronics family. It's almost a seamless transition because of the expectations where there's no surprises. So day one, when they show up and join this organization, they know exactly what they're getting into. And if you have a strong M&A process and you know exactly who you're buying and those expectations are clear before you join Edtronics, usually you can reduce a lot of the risk and you can mitigate a lot of the obstacles before even going down that road. That's amazing. So how do you ensure new hires uh, as uh, as the companies, the brands under this umbrella uh, are hiring, right? Because that's still uh, a thing in this industry where Huge. we're constantly needing new people. Um, how, how are you, how does Adtronics uh, ensure that the new hires mesh and contribute positively to the culture and to the, the goals. Yeah. So I would say one of the ways we do that is we just hired a corporate recruiter who really has done a great job and she aligns with our values in the way we do business very strongly. And we use a tool, which I want to really give a plug to. We use a great tool called Culture Index. And as an executive, okay. it's something that I got exposed to when I joined the DDS organization a few years back. And the tool is pretty predictive. It's about 95% accurate where you, you look at it in an employee and it's not a personality test. It doesn't look at their attitude. It comes down to, again, the role that you have open. Are you putting the person in that role to be successful or are you setting them up for failure? And it's the whole focus that leaders need to really have a strong conviction on of putting people in the right seats. You could have an all-star employee and they could be in the wrong role in the company and still not be successful. So we use this tool called Culture Index. It's a predictive assessment where it looks at when you have a role open, say a sales role, is the employee that's interviewing, that's applying, that you're gonna bring in for that position, do they align with the skills, the traits, the, the assessment that you're putting them through? It really kind of is a gauge on if they're going to be a fit or not for the role and will you be setting them up for success and i think that's one tool we're starting to bring now uh company-wide with edtronics where when we're starting to hire people we're putting them through that predictive uh, a tool and assessment it really helps us get a good gauge right off the gate if we're making a mistake or not with our hiring decision and i think once they get into the organization your next big thing is making sure we have a strong onboarding process because you can hire the right person in the right yeah. seat but if you don't onboard them you don't equip them with a good training program you don't empower those people uh, you're going to set them up for failure as well so i think it's partnering with our hr organization to make sure that we have these things deployed where our employees our managers our leadership team is utilizing these types of things and leveraging it to make sure that we have the most robust process and program with our talent acquisition strategy. Because you could have a great culture, you could be growing like we did at DDS, this hockey stick growth we've seen for years. But if you're bringing right. in new talent and you need that new talent, no question, to continue to support your growth, you need to make sure that you're hiring the right people and you have a process in place to make sure they're successful when you hire them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you've had a, a really good experience with Culture Index. Very uh, good experience. That's wonderful. I, I'm familiar with them. Um, I, you know, there's a, a, a lot of other tools out there, but Culture Index, I've, I, I, from what I've seen, has been a, a very robust tool uh, that companies have used in the past. Um, 
And so have there been challenges uh, being fairly a fairly new organization uh, with aligning uh, strategic goals with uh, company culture of these three different organizations? Um, or, or has that been a fairly seamless process? Yeah, I mean, I think again, when you look at the whole company, of course there's gonna be challenges. You're taking multiple organizations across the country that have been run possibly very different than one another for many years and now, you're trying to get them all aligned to set up for the greatest amount of scalability. And I think, you know, to, to be honest, when you look at that challenge, Jim, that's exciting. That's why I love my yeah. role so much. I mean, I look at my new role right now and I say, I have three companies, three different sales teams, three different marketing teams, three different applications teams, whatever it looks like under our business development function. We have to get those entire groups all on the same page, all rowing in the same boat, how do you cater to groups, but still make sure that they're following the process, they're, they're adopting the best practices. With that, there's gonna be some bumps in the road because every integration you bring in, it's, it's also th one of the things we noticed is many companies in this industry, they don't have a robust sales process. So you, you acquire these companies and usually the, the owner is the one that's done all the selling or you know they have a, a sales rep maybe if you're lucky, but no one's tracking right. KPIs, no one's on a CRM you know, customer relationship management software. People are just using pen and paper and Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> so you go into an acquisition and you see this and you're going, ooh, okay, how do I not scare <laughs> these people? But at the same time, how do I help them get to a level of excellence where their business per the Atronics model can reach a level of success and growth that the expectations of our, our company wants to see? So big challenge, but in my opinion, you only grow from challenges. Leaders grow through periods of adversity. And it wouldn't be fun if every company you bought, you just tucked in and, you know, close your eyes at night and go to bed. What's the fun of that, right? That's how I look at my role. Yeah, I, I get that. I, and I love the sentiment. I, and I completely agree uh, that, that that's how true leaders are born, right? Is yeah. through that, that, that adversity. Um, uh, speaking of leaders uh, and leadership roles, you've you've been a, a, at a number of different organizations. How how has your experience at those different organizations shaped uh, your view on culture and, and what you've brought to the table at DDS and and now at uh, at Tronics? Yeah, it's uh, oof, it's been an interesting journey. It's like when when you ask me that question. I kind of get chill sometimes because <laughs> I look back at the past, you know, I'm 36 years old, you know, kind of coming into the prime of my career, young professional, mm -hmm. but starting to, you know, not, not only not be a 20 year old anymore, you know, I'm starting to be 40 here in four years and you start looking at it yep. going, okay, I've had almost two decades in corporate America or small business. And uh, I've been through some things where it has taught me some huge lessons and really uh, some eye-opening experiences. And I would say, you know, I spent about eight years of my career in Fortune 500, and I worked for some of the most innovative leaders that have taught me, you know, things that every day I implement and I use in my day-to-day -day strategy or in coaching sessions with my people or, you know, just in my day-to-day -day role at, at, uh, at Tronics here. On the flip side, and I think, again, when we talk about adversity, uh, there were some people that I worked for that we're not the greatest leaders. And I think I look yeah. back and those are the individuals that taught me the most 
about my career and how to lead people, how to stay humble, uh, how to deal with adversity, how to exit people. I mean, you have to do it as a leader, but you can still do it in certain ways that again, you make sure you protect your entire team so that bad apple doesn't ruin the whole group. But at the same time, you also make sure that there's some empathy when you exit those employees. And when I look at my career, again, almost over the past two decades, you know, I, I look at the great leaders, what they taught me, but I look at these leaders that I'm like, wow, how did this person get into this role? Or why did this person make this decision? And I look at everything in life, Jim, as, as being a sponge. Always be learning sure. as a leader and look at what do you want to be as a leader? The person you're working for, do they emulate what you want to be as a leader? And what can you take away from that person? And when I look back at my, you know, now almost five companies uh, that I've been in either leadership roles or entry level roles from when I started my career back in, in 2008, um, you know, I, I look at it and I say every day I take stock of what are the things that these people taught me, good or bad? What are the things that I learned? What mistakes that I made? I, I think a lot of people look at failure and just say, oh, you know, that, that's a huge mistake. How could I have been so stupid? How could I have fallen on my face? You know, failure is a, a point of life. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's part of, you know, what you do as, as a, a leader, as an employee. It's not just making the mistake, though. It's how do you respond to that? How do you look at that mistake and say, okay, I may have made this mistake once or twice, but I'm not going to do this again. And this is what I learned in, in self-reflection. And you look at, you know, Jack Ma from Alibaba. The guy was laughed out of, out of jobs. He was told by professors. <laughs> He was going to be nothing. And the guy right. basically runs the number two to Amazon. He could have looked at adversity and failure and said, eh, you know what? I'm just going to close up shop and go home today because I failed a few times. So I think, you know, again, to answer your question, I look back at my career, at the leaders that I've worked for. You know, what have they taught me? What did I not want to do that they've taught me? And the mistakes that I've made in my career, what did those things teach me to become an even stronger and better leader? And how can I pass on those learnings to the people that work directly for me? That's awesome. Yeah, my uh, my motto in life, especially since starting my company, but even before that with teams that I've led was, everybody fails. So fail fast and learn from your mistakes and move forward. Right. Exactly. And I think that as a leader, uh, I, I, that's what I'm hearing as, as part of your story, right? Yeah. Failure is inevitable. Um, so fail as quickly as possible. So you don't drag on the failure, but then yep. just learn from it and move on. You can't dwell on them, but you can learn from them. Right. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing too is, you know, I, I give advice to my direct reports every day on this. It's invest in yourself. I mean, you don't know when you're going to yeah. have a bad boss. You don't know when the economy is going to turn. You you can't control everything in life. So you know, right. look, look at the perspective to say, what are you doing as a self reflection every day to increase your learning, educate yourself, invest in yourself, become a better version of yourself. Whether it's you know, spending time with people that have a game up on you in the business world or in your personal life, people that can mentor you, teach you things, whether you're looking at your current job as a, just a learning opportunity, maybe it's just the next step to something greater. You might not be making all the money in the world or you might not love it, but instead of having an attitude of negativity and, oh, why am I doing this right now? Look at it from the standpoint of how is this going to help make me a stronger person 
in my vocation and get me to where I want to go in the next three, five, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. Continuous improvement is just as vital for, for people in manufacturing uh, as it is for the processes. Agreed. Um, So, and it sounds like you embed that with your teams and, and the, the culture at, at Tronics. Um, So would you describe your teams as having a culture of continuous improvement and, and innovation? Would those be two terms that you'd use to, to classify your culture there? No, no question, especially on the commercial side that, you know, I have the honor to lead every day. You know, my, my leaders are focused every day on process improvement, collaboration, innovation. I mean, we work in the, you know, you know, kind of funny word, but the sexiest industry, in, in my opinion, in the economy. I mean, we're dealing with robots, industry 4.0, you know, crazy AI technology, and we're putting a product out in the market that represents that, we should be representing that ourselves within our own offices, our own suites, our own homes that are one if you're working remote. So yeah, you know, my leaders on my team are focused every day on how do we be the most efficient, the most effective? How do we be the most innovative, whether it's something to our customers, to our own employees? How do we save time, whether it's an expense report, whether it's a travel request, whatever it is, you know, our company and our leadership team is focused on those types of things on a daily basis. That's awesome. So uh, how has that culture that that you guys are focused on uh, directly impacted solving real world manufacturing problems? Yeah. So interesting. Again, when you look at what we do, Jim, most of the companies out there that are struggling right now, whether they can't find talent in labor, which is the biggest challenge we hear, our people are so talented. They will walk into a manufacturing facility and you could, you could see it before you walk in, you know, and no, no joke. There was one time we were sitting in the parking lot and the, the manufacturing plant caught on fire. And I'm like, I'm looking no at my way. CEO going, man, this is just like a sign of like how, how rough shape these guys are really in. You know, we walk in, the staff's all frantic and you, you look at the plant manager and he's just looking at you. You could tell it's like, help. Like, you don't even got to say it. These people have oh to produce thousands, millions of parts, whether, for example, it's a Tropicana orange juice cap that, you know, kudos to us. We made the machine that produces that, you know, or awesome. a simple That's product cool. that, yeah, simple products that do HVAC, power and energy, missiles for, you know, the aerospace market, whatever it is. Our company is focusing on these manufacturers to build those types of products. So you walk into a plant with our talented applications engineering team. And you have this plant manager who comes to you and says, so we're doing this right now by hand. Can you automate it? And first mind that you would think goes to from a business person, a salesperson is, sure, you know, send me your, your designs, your drawings, your videos and what you're thinking. No, 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 not in this industry. It's okay. This is, you, you saw it, right? Well, yeah, we were just at your plant. Okay, well, mm -hmm. can you put together a full design now and can you solve my problem? And it's like, well, you know, scratch the record there. It's like, well, hold on. What do you mean? There's no drawings. There's no design package. Not always. It's from scratch. Our applications people have to come up with the most innovative solution, the highest technological advanced solution sometimes to take something from scratch that has never been done before, literally never been done before. And the people at our organization 
literally go out to these places and they help plant managers, manufacturing engineers, automation directors solve the biggest challenge that they didn't think was solvable through custom automation and robotics. And these people, you know, it, it's kind of funny, again, going back to culture, during our holiday party, I lined up the whole applications team on our culture wall and we presented them with a t-shirt. And it says, applications engineer, it explains what it is, it gives a definition, and then it says, <laughs> i.e. magician, C wizard, See, you know, magician and dictionary, because that's what these people, that's what these people do. And they Absolutely. come up with the most innovative, creative stuff that's never been done before. And that's how we've solved the industry's biggest challenges. You go into these companies that have, it's never been done. And it could be an application like a stint in a heart, a catheter to save people's lives, to something simple again, to go get a nice glass of OJ at your local Publix, Wegmans, or Food Lion down the street at your grocery store. That's awesome. So, uh, does does your customer applications and feedback then also play a role in helping shape the the culture of Adtronics? Huge role. I mean, the project you take, the type of work that you're in, is going to help shape that culture. Because there's some really high stressful industries out there, and high sure. stress industries can bring some of that stress and translate that into your culture here as well. So you got to figure out how do you deal with that kind of stuff? So we're, we're always looking at that of the projects we take, the complexity, the size, you know, we started to increase our project size aggressively and, and it's gone very well. But when you start to dabble into more complex projects and bigger dollar amount type work, there comes some risk with that. So that can affect your culture in a really negative manner if you let it. But if you focus on the collaborative approach, and again, I, I continue to say as a leader, let's step back. There's a great book called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. I try to look at everything in my life as, as a leader or even in my personal life, whether it's my marriage, whether it's with my kids, it, it's an obstacle. Everything in life that maybe might be a challenge, you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it as this sucks, this is a problem, this is the gorilla in the room, or you can say, this is an obstacle that's in front of me. How do I go around this obstacle, remove the obstacle so I can be successful? And I think we looked at it with that strategy of let's go into these bigger projects, right? Well, okay, oh, these are huge. These are bigger projects. These are more complex. Well, hold on. What does this lead to? It leads to greater growth, greater investment. It leads to an acquisition like DDS got acquired from Atronics in October. When you're doing those things, let's look at it as an obstacle and increase the collaboration, increase the communication look at our culture and how it got us here and focus on those things when we're looking at these challenges. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's not often that uh, there's a book in this realm that I haven't read, but- Oh, you gotta uh, read it. That, the Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It is absolutely, a, it's a game changer. All right, uh, it's now, uh, as soon as you and I hang up, it will be in my Amazon cart. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm hearing, you know, a lot of tone of accountability, right? For sure. Um, empowerment to fail, but also hold yourself accountable. Uh, talk to us about uh, accountability at Adtronics and, and the, the family of companies that are in the umbrella. Yeah, I think that it's kind of funny, Jim. That's like the taboo word, right? Like everyone likes to talk about a great culture and having fun and, you know, employee activities and all this great stuff. But a good culture actually encompasses a strong, strong set of accountability principles. And if you don't have that, Absolutely. then you know what is your culture? At that point, is it, yep. is it just a, 
you know, a college fraternity house where people just come together <laughs> to have fun and try to make the best of it and enjoy each other. Well, again, you want to enjoy each other at work. You want to have fun. I'm all about that. But at the same time, you have to have accountability. And that's owning the mistakes we make. It's owning this, you know, it's giving the credit to our teams, but owning our failures, taking the responsibilities as a leader. When something doesn't go right, we own that on our shoulders. And I kind of look at that at my role. If my VP of sales loses a deal, yeah, she lost the deal. She's got to learn from that. But that's on my shoulders at the end of the day. I'm leading this whole right. group and I take accountability for that. But at the same time, it's coaching, not telling or dictating. It's coaching your leaders, coaching your employees and explaining to them and, and understanding why maybe a mistake happened, why a failure happened and making sure that hopefully the end game is this for me. And I think all leaders should look at this. If you're doing an effective job as a leader, your own people start to hold themselves accountable versus you having to do it every single day. And I think I would say, honestly, 90% of my people, I don't even have to call them and say, okay, what happened here? Let's talk about this. The phone rings first to me and it's like, hey, I just screwed up. I lost this deal. I thought I was gonna get it, or I, I messed up with this customer. I take ownership of this. I'm accountable to this. And oh, by the way, this is how I'm gonna fix it. And here's my plan versus someone coming to me going, Oh my God, I screwed this up, Adam. You're the chief revenue officer. Please help, help, help fix this. The world's on fire. And it's like, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> Just because I'm a C-suite individual doesn't mean I have all the answers. I don't. I'm not the right. smartest person in the room every day. I hire people smarter than me to get the job done. And I rely on those people to help the company be successful. And I think that's what Atronics is all about. It's They give me the empowerment to hire those people. Those people hold themselves accountable and they make sure that again, with a strong team culture, our, our team is like a family. I mean, you know, again, I, I sometimes don't like that word because people look at it as like, oh, well, we can't ever exit your family. You can't fire your family. Well, you know, it can be like a family when it comes to you hold each other accountable, you respect each other, you have each other's back. But at the same time, where the accountability lies there is, you know, when you hold each other accountable, if someone's not performing, you exit them off that team. And sometimes yeah. they self exit themselves. And we've had to do that a few times over the years, it's nothing personal. And yeah. on the flip side, Jim, if people don't wanna hold themselves accountable, then as a leader or leaders on my team, we will hold them accountable. We'll do it in a respectful, empathetic way. But again, the A players on the team, they see someone that might not be performing and the questions are asked, well, why are we keeping this person? And let me be even clearer on that. It's not even if someone's not performing, it's, someone that's not putting in the work. I've seen employees that could have been rock stars that just didn't want to put in the effort, didn't want yeah. to put in the work. They didn't push themselves. They didn't take themselves to the next level for whatever reason it was. You have the rest of the team that maybe is burning the midnight oil. They're putting in 120%. And I've told this to many mm -hmm. people in my network, I'll take a B plus player all day long that works their tail off to become an A player versus an A player that's lazy, that doesn't want to put in the work because the rest of the team looks at that and says, okay, this person isn't even trying. And I think at that point, leaders, if they're not going to hold themselves accountable, we need to do that in the most empathetic way. But as a leader, we need to make sure that we get the wrong people off the bus so the rest of the team yeah. doesn't turn. I think that's what accountability to me means and uh, part of what we see here at Edtronics. That's awesome. I, I mean, if, if you've empowered your people uh, and built that trust right within the organization where people feel comfortable 
holding each other accountable, then you get to a different level because you're not working on performance management issues every day, right? You're able to then do your job as a C employee, uh, C leader, C suite leader, in, in coming up with strategic moves. What's, what's the next strategic move that I can make instead of having to dive into the tactical performance management issues that come with accountability? Agreed. Right? I mean, leaders waste so much time on you know performance issues, drama, you know the water cooler talk. If, if leaders don't have to focus on that, there can be so much more they can do for their organization and for their people. I mean, I would love to spend 90% of my time every day developing my people, enriching, empowering, supporting my people versus having to play referee when someone stepped on someone and there's a, there's drama between two employees. On my team, that's very rare because the yeah. employees hold each other accountable and they look at that and they call that kind of behavior out and they say, that's against our core values on this team. This is not what Adam built here at this organization. So they call each other out in a respectful manner they take things offline when they need to. And we don't waste time on things like that. Again, does it happen every once in a while? Sure, nothing's ever perfect. You're always getting it, sure. an employee here or there. But again, it's what you do with those situations and how you handle that. Yeah, absolutely, uh, 100%. Um, so we, as we've seen over the last uh, three plus years now, uh, change is inevitable. Um, and those of us in the manufacturing industry have known that change happens all the time in this industry, right? Sure. Over the last three years, we, we've seen astronomical amounts of change, not only uh, worldwide in, in the pandemic and COVID and, and a change of how people react to each other, um, but also in technology, right? And, and and that's really where Adtronics is all about, is that technology side of manufacturing. Yep. Tell us about how uh, Adtronics uh, is, is leading that charge when it comes to technology and, and not only helping using technology to shape your culture at Adtronics, but I, I can only imagine that your customers are seeing cultural change within their organizations by adopting some of the technology that you guys are bringing to them as solutions. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, huge. So one of the things you have to understand too in our business, Jim, is that predominantly we're engineers. <laughs> engineers right. are nerds right they love cool stuff you know they always kind of and i say that in a loving way right these guys and, and women are geniuses in what they do oh. but they like yeah. to work on fun exciting high-tech type projects and i would say that's one of the cool things and how it ties to our culture Adtronics is acquiring companies that have that innovative product suite that innovative mindset we're not looking to go after companies that are 50 years in the past they're set in their ways it's one product they've always done we're acquiring companies to join our family of brands that have the next cutting edge technology. And that's when it comes back down to our M&A process again, where we're always looking for that company that people may not understand how it's going to disrupt and revolutionize the industry. And when you bring those kind of companies in the fold, you really excite employees. And I think that's what's happened yeah. here at Entronics. Our employees are kind of waiting for the next acquisition. It's like, well, when are we acquiring in the next company? Who's it going to be? What do they do? And Atronics is really broken into three major tiers. The first one is our custom automation integration segment, which is acquiring integrators, companies that do robotic integration. They build custom automation. The second tier is 
aftermarket services and robot repair. And the third segment okay. is really a focus on like specialized products in automation and robotics. And that's when some of these cool companies that might be focused on, who knows, building the next iPhone or you know, creating the next VR headset for Apple or the metaverse. We work on applications every single day that it might not be that product, but it might be the machine that built that product that is now being supplied to the world. And when you go to bed at night every day, that's a pretty damn thing that's pretty freaking cool to say, wow, I work for a company that is responsible and is involved in that kind of technology. Oh, I, that's hugely powerful, Adam. And uh, as somebody who's worked for a number of organizations and some did a great job of connecting my role to the higher purpose of what the organization did, um, but a lot of them didn't, I think that's really cool that you're able to connect those dots for the employees uh, in the Adtronics family of what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis with that really cool thing that that customer or that next acquisition may do. I, I think that's invaluable. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, why do you want to come to work every day working for something that is going to be extinct in five to 10 years from a technology standpoint? We want to be on the cutting edge and we want to deliver that to our customers. And, and that was the second part of your question you asked is how is it changing our customers culture? And I would say you bring a robot into a manufacturing facility that's never had a robot, you get people pretty excited. You know, some people are thinking, oh, it's going to take my job. That's short sighted. That's that's the <laughs> that's what the, the lovely news media wants you to hear. And you see these flashy headlines and CNN and CNBC and it's you know, robots to take everything over and eliminate your jobs. No, that, that's not what we do here in our industry. If you talk to any no. integrator, we are literally complementing manufacturers that can't find talent. We're giving people jobs here. There might be a finance person we hire in the state of Georgia because now a manufacturing facility has been brought back to Atlanta from China. And we have white collar jobs that might be created from the blue collar jobs that can't be filled with robots. So right. we're helping create jobs. The other thing is, a lot of safety issues happening right now. We got a company, again, out of respect to confidentiality, won't name them, but they are working on a really important application that powers your cities every day. And we built a specific uh, piece of machine for them that helps improve safety when they're working on these different power and energy applications. If we wouldn't have built that, there were multiple you know, chances of injury before. So you look at that and you walk into these employees and they get excited. You know, the ones that see... The, the vision and hopefully their leaders are connecting the dots. So you, you know, you mitigate that, that fear of robot taking my job. Most of these employees get pretty pumped up and excited that their company is investing in a technology with Edtronics that's going to help enrich their lives. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, Adam, in addition to, uh, you know, change and uh, I, I loved what you said about uh, robots taking over, right? Because uh, again, in the manufacturing industry, we've heard this for so long that robots are going to take over the, you know, the industry and and the jobs and all of that. And I think the rest of the world and every other industry finally has caught up to that new cycle with AI, right? Yep. And how now, you know, 
content writers or copywriters are going to be put out of jobs by chat GPT and things of that nature. Um, but really all, all automation, all robotics does is, is give that chance to, to upskill employees. It takes somebody who may be working a brake press yeah. and teach them how to program a robot, right? That, that improves the quality of their life. For sure. it, it, impro it improves their, their earning potential long-term. So I, I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, in addition to, you know, change, we've, we've heard a lot over the last couple of years of uh, companies and individuals talking about employee well-being and mental health in, in the workplace. Yeah. So what what measures has Adtronics taken to incorporate well-being, mental health, happiness into that employee experience? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I mean, today's day and age, post-COVID world, mental health is a massive focus. And I think as leaders, we need to make sure we are focused on that continuously. Because again, at the end of the day, I go back to my original opening statement, these are people, you know, they have stresses, they have families, they have things going on. So I'd say me personally as a leader at Atronics, and this is not even just Atronics, this is me throughout my entire career. I look at, again, multiple things when I'm working and, and leading a team. Number one, if someone's busting their butt and they're putting 60 hours a week in every single week, and hopefully my HR person isn't listening to this, throw, <laughs> throw them a few days of PTO off the books and send them on a vacation right. and get them out of here. I've done that with my employees all the time. It's like, you know, they come in on a Wednesday and you're like, hey, what are you doing on Friday? I, I'm, I'm working. No, you're not. You're gonna, you're gonna yeah. take your family to the beach. You're gonna get out of here. I'm gonna give you a complimentary PTO day. And oh, by the way, here's a $250 gift card to a steakhouse. Go take your family out and take some R&R. &R. <laughs> and I think that, that, re I that recharges people. It's like, A, it shows, holy crow, these people appreciate me that much. They're taking the opportunity to recognize me. B, they're telling me leave work at home uh, I did it with one employee where I said, I want you to come in, take your laptop and your phone, drop it off in my office, and you're going to go and enjoy the weekend. Because I knew they were working so hard on the weekend, I couldn't keep them off their, their device. And it's like, no, I want you to clear your yeah. head, focus on mental health, take a little break and a pause, and enjoy what's around you, enjoy with your family. So I, I think that's kind of one major thing we do. I think the other things I always look at as a leader, Jim, is you know when an employee has just again, you have, to, you have to look at it. They're making huge impacts in your business. They're so valuable, but you're sitting down and you're talking to them. And I call it an IDS. It's an individual developmental session. And most people okay. only focus if, if leaders are even doing it. I mean, most people are, you know, leaders are so busy. It's like, yeah, you know, I see you when there's a problem or, you know, pop in and say hello and get out of my hair. You know, this was a technique that I kind of brought to Edtronics and previous companies where, you're meeting with your people every single month. You're sitting down for 90 minutes and A, yeah, you're developing them, hence the name, individual developmental session. You're reviewing their performance, talking about their career, but you start off the conversation with, how are things going in your personal life? How are you feeling? How's your family doing? How's your stress level? That's kind of like the first major question. It's like, how are you feeling with your stress right now? Do you feel like you're burning out? Do you feel like you're not enjoying your job anymore? Do you feel like your quality of life is still where you expect it to be. And you ask people those kind of questions, you would be shocked as a leader, the kind of answers, if you have that culture created, which we do here, the amount of openness they will come and tell you. I mean, I've had employees tell me like, no, I'm really stressed right now. I feel like I can't sleep at night because I'm so concerned that I can't balance 
flying all the time to go see customers and I can't see my kid's soccer game. And it's like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's come up with a solution. And that yeah. is a leader, you know, start to be flexible with people. You know, you have an employee that says, Hey, I need to go drop my kid off at 9 AM, but I can work till seven o'clock at night and make the hours up. You know, some leaders would say, well, no, you got to be here at eight o'clock. It's an eight to five. Well, as, as leaders, why don't we look at individual employees and look at them as people and say each person has a different case. So I'm going to tell my employee yeah. who's a top performer, you can't go give your daughter or your son a kiss goodbye at the morning at 845 and drop them off at the bus stop because you got to be here at 759 because it's corporate policy. That's how you <laughs> lose people, Jim. And to your point, Absolutely. that's how you kill people's mental health. Yeah. Things like that. Are Absolutely. Awesome. Well, and, and I mean, let's go back to one of the first things we talked about in trust. Uh, you've built a, a culture of trust with the people yeah. who report to you that they feel comfortable having that conversation. No question. I love my people. They are the hardest working individuals I've ever led, especially here at Atronics. It's just, we got a sweet spot going for us right now. I, I could not be more honored for the group that I currently have the past few years. They're just so hardworking, so honest. And the, this is the funny thing. Here's the... Uh, aha moment or pause yourself audience for this. I only have one employee in my entire team that works in an office. Everyone else is remote. <laughs> but you say we have hockey stick growth and you've quadrupled the business. How can that be possible when everyone's not in an office? People work right. remote. If you have the right people, you trust them, you empower them. Both of my senior leaders on my team, my, my VPs and directors, they don't work in the office. I see them maybe once a month if I'm lucky with how busy our schedules are. But we're connected on Zoom. I respect their schedules. Right. They have a work from home opportunity now. COVID changed a lot, but even COVID, I think a lot of leaders use COVID as an excuse. Oh, well, you know, COVID changed the landscape. Well, where were we 10 years ago when people maybe needed that kind of flexibility, guys? Exactly, exactly. And, and you know what? It, it starts, Jim, with back again, you know, you and I talked earlier about, you know, this whole thing with blue collar jobs, this young professional generation. I hate to say it, but I'm gonna take a shot and I'm gonna take a hard shot. Where are the universities right now? And, and you know what? I can say that. I, I've been a college professor and adjunct from 2014. I've taught over 3,000 okay. students, six classes a year. And most of these professors in these universities drill it into these kids' head. You got to go get an eight to five job. You can't work from home. These are the companies you need yep. to go to. They, they almost program these people. And it's like, we need our universities to partner with these young professionals starting in high school and educating these individuals on these are the opportunities. Manufacturing isn't a dirty industry. Yeah, it might be, but right. it's not a dirty industry when it comes to making a living. And I think it really right. starts with us as leaders, which is why I became an adjunct, going into these classrooms and telling and listening and working with these young college students and saying, you probably didn't even know this opportunity existed. When these college kids apply for these jobs, they're like, robotics and automation. That's what I'm selling. What's that? My, right. my, my college professor told me to go work at the big five accounting firms or told me to go work at Google. And it's like, no, we right. exist. We're here. Yep. And, and we make, we make this com country better around. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, we, we, we make this com country function. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, your, your middle thirties, I'm, early to mid forties, I hate to say. <laughs> yeah, right, I'm um, not behind you. Yeah, but uh, uh, 
you know, I graduated high school in 97 and I've, I've shared this on, on the podcast before. So uh, for those listeners who've heard this already, uh, forgive me. I was part of that generation that was pushed to four-year school, yep. right? Well. Trade school wasn't even an option. Um, I was lucky enough to have trades classes still in my school. Yep. Uh, when I went when I went to high school, we had, we had a metal shop and a wood shop, but everybody was pushed to four-year university. And I, I think you know, as as you were sharing that that story, I, I started thinking not only are college professors and, and the universities programming uh, these young minds to, for this eight to five landscape, so are high schools. So for are, sure. uh, let's go down as, as far as middle and elementary. I mean, it's, it's rote memorization. It's yep. be here at this time. Exactly. Um, you get recess at X time, you get lunch at Y time, you get afternoon. I mean, it, you, you look at some of this educational journey that, that these kids are on and they are programmed from a very young age that you have, you, you have to give up everything that you love for this job. Yep. Whether that job is, is education or job is an actual job, you have to give things up for that. And, and I think we really need to flip that on its head. Yeah, right? and, yep. and I agree. It's, it's funny. Go ahead. It says funny. You watch, uh, there's a movie called Up in the Air with George Clooney. And uh, oh, he, he's in yeah. a job that just fires people, which is brutal. I mean, terrible, terrible job. We never mm -hmm. want to do it. It's the worst thing you can do as a leader. But it's funny. They're, they're, they're firing an individual. And the question he asks this guy is, how much did it cost you to give up your soul in your dream job? Mm -hmm. And he's like, 96 grand. And I'm like, what's that mean? I'm like, oh, it's a salary. So to your point, <laughs> you know, these high schools, these colleges are programming these individuals that you're not going to be successful unless you're in an eight to five, or you're not going to be successful. Don't ever take a step down. Don't ever take a lateral move. Uh, don't ever take a, a hiatus to go backpack through Europe. It's like, you know, experiences mature people in their career and learning experiences, whether you're going through a leadership development program. You know, it's funny. I left Fortune 500 as a leader, a director type role, pretty high level role. And I went into, you know, back basically, I took a step down to more of a a uh, high level senior sales role slash manager role for about six months to get into a new industry. By taking mm -hmm. that jump and getting into manufacturing from life sciences and biotech, that led me to where I am today. And I look at it where oh, awesome. schools aren't teaching that. They're not giving the confidence to these young people. Um, there is options out there. You don't have to be in this, this kind of clone and mold of you have to do it this way. Absolutely. And I tell people all the time, your career isn't a ladder. It's not linear up and down. It's a lattice. You can go sideways. You can go diagonal. You can go anywhere you want, but have an end goal in mind, right? So you you went, took a step back to take major leaps forward. Yeah. Uh, I, I did something similar. I left a, a multi-billion-dollar organization to go work for a nonprofit, right? Um, in an industry that I love and I'm passionate about. Yeah. And what that step backward financially, title, et cetera, did for me was got me to where I am today, yep. right? And so you can't be afraid to take that step back down or 
lateral or diagonal because as long as you have that goal and you may not know exactly what that role is exactly you know, not know exactly what that title is or that that paycheck looks like but as long as you have a goal that you want to move to this point it, taking a step back or diagonal or sideways will help you get there right. and so anybody listening don't be afraid to take a, a step back if, if that's what's right for you. I agree. And it's a great point you made, Jim, because most people don't know what they want to do when they grow up. And that's okay. I mean, prime example, I was a pre-med student. I was pre-med. <laughs> now I'm running a you know $100 million plus sales organization in the automation space. And you know pre-med, I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician. And I had a passion for it. Wanted to do an OR, saw a medical procedure that I cannot burn out of my brain to this day. And I said, I don't oh. want to do this anymore. So I got out of it, got into sales, best decision I ever made. But again, looking 10 years ago back, would I ever have thought that I would have gotten into robotics and automation? Uh, probably not. And I think that's one of the things I love about Edtronics, where Edtronics has apprenticeship programs. They're trying to bring in interns. We have a huge intern program here. And again, with me being really? a college professor, uh, I'd say you know almost 50% plus of my full-time hires were my former interns. So we're really wow. big on bringing them in, teaching these young professionals on what it's like to work in the industry, engineering apprenticeships, teaching people the trades. And again, that's what Itronics is about. You got a great company that has a lot of community involvement and wants to give back and invest in the next generation of where we're going to have to fill these big, big talent voids when we have our you know, really Gen Xers or the baby boomers really start to retire here in waves in the next decade. That's awesome. Uh, and, and sorry for my pause. Uh, I was just in my mind going back to something that you said very early on in our conversation about the altruistic mission of Adtronics and, and the community involvement. And you just mentioned the word community again. And, and so, uh, you know, you guys are very involved in developing this pipeline of people. How else is Adtronics uh, involved in the community? And, and how does that help your company culture? Great question. So I think one of the biggest things, <clears throat> one of the biggest things, Jim, that Atronics does is they really encourage our family of brands, our family of companies that we have under our umbrella to have a good strategy and a good plan for community involvement. And one of our brands, again, Dynamic Design, because I, I was here a majority of the time before joining corporate, every year we would select a family during the holiday season that was not very fortunate. And we would give back to that family. We'd try to change their, their Christmas, change their holidays by you know, doing a toy drive. And pretty soon it started to be contagious where employees wanted to start focusing on that all the time throughout the year. And I think that's what's pretty cool about Atronics. You don't lose your, your culture again. You don't, you're not just absorbed, you still stay autonomous. So we have our brands like MTA in Missouri, you have Bow Robotics in Cincinnati, and these companies all have a roadmap and a focus on giving back to the community in all different forms, whether it's a day of caring, whether it's helping a homeless shelter, whether it's, again, sponsoring a family, whether it's going to a soup kitchen. We love that our companies are focused on giving back. And right now, with our new HR corporate recruiter we hired, you know, she's got a whole focus on how do we, you know, for example, one of the big things we're doing this week is a women in engineering focus. We're trying to bring in women to, to tour our plant floor that are young professionals, like in the college and high school areas, and introduce them wow. to STEM, to engineering, because we're seeing 
a really low participation in this industry. It's very male dominated. And how do we fix that? So that, again, we have these types of altruistic type approaches where our family of companies have this passion to do good. And, you know, it's kind of funny. There was, there was a sitcom when I was young, again, I'm a millennial, um, you know, you might know it, but the good old days of Boy Meets World, Mr. Feeney, right? Oh, and he, yeah. he, in the last episode, it's again, I look at all these shows, it may sound kind of stupid, but as a leader, whether it's Ted Lasso, whatever it is, Boy Meets World, you look at these shows and you say, you know, what can you take away? What are these tidbits as a leader you can take away? And at the end of the show, you know, he said, do good. And his students corrected uh, him and said, you mean do well? And he said, no, I didn't mistake my grammar there. Do good. And again, <laughs> we're here to make money. We're here to make profits, right? But as a company, let's not just do well on the bottom line, on the sales numbers, on the operational KPIs. Let's also do good. Let's help a family in need. Let's help our employees in need. And it starts with internally helping each other here. And if that happens, it's going to be contagious to the outside. That's unbelievable. I, I again, really speechless, but I am. Um, Adam, what you, you've given us a lot of things that you guys have done. What are three main initiatives? that you can think of that Adtronics has implemented that has changed the culture to for the better, right? Whether that's at the corporate level or uh, with the family of, of companies, what are three things specifically that you'd like to call out? Yeah, so I would say, you know, three major things. First thing that comes to mind again, and I repeat it, you're part of the Adtronics family of companies, you get to keep your culture. And I think that was a really smart move. It may sound very simple, but our competitor didn't do that. They just jammed they just jammed <laughs> them together and integrated. Not saying they weren't successful, but other people happy. You know, do, do people leave? Companies have done that. And not just one competitor, multiple have done that. But I look at it as Electronics yeah. took a different page out of that playbook. They said, we're gonna keep these companies autonomous. We are gonna let these companies still drive their culture events, how they treat their people all the way down to their bonus plans. That's freaking cool. Corporate's not controlling that. So that's one of the major things out of the playbook. I would say the, the second major thing again of this, you know, creating this great culture that Atronics did was transparency. And as leaders, how do you, how do you, you know, really get people on the bus and get them excited to get up every morning and come work here? You connect the dots, you let them know what's going on, and again, may sound like a simple thing, but it's not. A lot of companies, yeah. they don't want to share in the financials. They don't want to show you what's happening behind the curtain. Don't mind what's going on behind the curtain, they say. It's like, no, <laughs> but Atronics, they want to let people be involved in the decisions. You know, this whole DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. How do, how do, you, how do you keep people that, you know, want to be included? How do you include them? How do you bring them in the folds? That was the second thing. That Atronics has done well. And again, they're only in the first inning, we like to say, out of nine innings. You know, good baseball analogy. Our owners like yeah. to always say that we're in the first inning right now and they're already doing these things. The third major That's thing awesome. I would say, which is just earth shattering, is they give company, uh, Atronics gives their employees in their family of companies skin in the game. And when I say that, really? that's equity. So managers, leaders, even some other employees, there's an opportunity to grow and actually have ownership in the company. You tell me an employee wow. that doesn't wanna get up in the morning when they actually know their job makes a difference in something they own, God almighty, that's gonna make a huge difference in your employee morale 
and really shape your culture. And Atronix has done that right. You sold me, Adam. Are, are you guys hiring? We are. Um, We're hiring all the time, Jim. <laughs> In all seriousness, go to our website because we got loads of jobs right now that are open. Wow. I, I mean, it, it's very rare that I am ready to run through a wall to uh, even go apply for a job myself, even though I've got this company and this podcast and all these things. I. I would, it, what you're talking about sounds so appealing um, for, for me. It, it, and that's just that connection of values with my own personal values. So you guys are doing a great job. Um, Adam, you, you've given us a ton to think about. Any last thoughts uh, that you want to leave with the, the listeners? I mean, you've talked about human-centered leadership and, and all the things. Do you have any other gems? I mean, I hate to keep taking blood from a stone, but uh, you've, you've given us so much to think about. What else do you have for us? Yeah, I think the, the last thing I would probably say I would leave the audience with here before we wrap up, Jim, is, is really one major thing that's kind of near and dear to my heart. You know, at the end of the day, it's kind of funny. You know, you're, you're 21, you're out of college, and I look back at my life, you know, again, 15 years, 20 years in, in the business world, and you're always looking to climb the next step on the ladder, right? Like, oh, I got to get to manager. I got to get to director. I got to get to VP, senior VP. I got to get a C in my title. And it's kind of funny. You know, my, my father, he's a nuclear engineer, wicked smart guy, but he's a blue collar guy. And he used to always tell me, don't lose the excitement of the journey on always chasing the brass ring. And I didn't really know what that meant until, you know, probably about five years ago when I started to climb the corporate ladder. And basically what that means is, you know, as individuals that have high ambition, high growth potential, we are always looking for the next opportunity. And it's kind of funny when you attain that next opportunity that you've been working so hard for, it's really not what you expected it to be. You know, you think because you're a VP yeah. or a CRO, you're going to have better job security or you're going to have less problems or it's going to be easy because I can sit behind my desk and just point my finger. I, I, right. I warn and I caution not to scare people, but to just make sure people understand the criticality of it. If you want to go into a leadership role, you better be ready to be criticized, have stones thrown at you, be blamed, have all the accountability on you. And from the outside in, people look at it as, Oh my gosh, I would love to have a CRO job. But don't get me wrong. I love my job. I love Etronics. I love what I'm doing. But the reason why I love it is maybe different than people that think why I went into this role. I love my job because every single day when I come into work, I look at, yeah, I'm accountable to senior leadership. Yeah, I'm accountable to the board. But my main job, how can I help my people get to where they want to be? How can I help them put food on the table? How can I help make an impact? They want to send their kids to Harvard or Cornell or wherever. How can I help those people that work for me reach those life's goals? And as executives, don't just get wrapped up on, oh, like, you know, for me, my big thing is I want to get to a CEO role by 40. It's, it's a big goal of mine, but I'm mm -hmm. not really in a rush right now. I'm looking at it where I'm going to learn as much as I can in this role. I've been given and blessed with a great opportunity. I'm going to excel at this role, do the role to the best of my ability, deal with the challenges as they come. And when you get to that CEO role, I can tell you right now, just because you have CEO in your title, if I ever get the honor to do it one day, 
it's not that special. You are in just another leadership role that are responsible for another group of people to focus on their well-being. And if people are doing it for that, which is what I'm focused on, then sure, I'm interested in it. But just don't get yeah. caught up in the glamour or think it's some shiny, I'm a CEO, you know, all you, you look at these CEOs on TV, right? Like Jamie Dimon at JP Morgan Chase or the CEO of <laughs> Google. You know, people have a lot of respect for them, but why? Because they make a lot of money mm -hmm. and they're leading huge companies. We need to have respect for leaders and not saying they don't do it, but we need to have respect for leaders that truly focus on their people and empowering their people. And I would just caution anyone that's kind of coming up in the ranks, don't keep chasing the brass ring and think that when you achieve it, all your life's problems are gonna be solved because with more responsibility and more money comes with a significant amount of challenges in your day-to-day -day life. Wow. Wow. That was an awesome part in common. Um, that, that might be the, uh, the quote of the episode. Um, thank you, Adam, so much. This was an amazing conversation. Uh, your insights on your journey, on company culture, on, like I said, human-centered leadership there at Adtronics have been nothing short of illuminating. Uh, thanks for sharing your wisdom, your stories, and, and the visit, your vision today. Thank you. I appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity, Jim. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, as a leader, just reminding everyone, stay humble, keep the focus on the people. And remember, take care of your people. They'll take care of your business. Yeah. Well, from understanding the cultural journey at Adtronics to discussing the future of manufacturing, today's episode has been an amazing ride. We've peeled back the layers of cultivating a thriving company culture, the challenges that have been faced and the strategies employed to build a successful and united team. These valuable insights from Adam, Adam, sorry, Adam, uh, are something every aspiring leader and even just curious listeners can learn from. If you've enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, visit our website at manufacturingculturepodcast.com for more content and insights from leader in the manufacturing field. Uh, now I'm going to ask you to help us in a very small way. If you've liked what you've heard, do me a favor and share this podcast with your friends, colleagues, or anybody you might think might enjoy the episode. And also, while you're at it, don't forget to leave us a rating uh, and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to this episode on. Your feedback and your support help us bring more incredible guests like Adam uh, to the show and, and deliver the content that, that you're craving uh, and, and you want more of because we hear every week from listeners that you want more of this and, and you want it in, in droves. So thank you all for tuning in from all of us here at the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. Remember, uh, manufacturing is a backbone of the American economy. Have a good day and keep making things. <laughs>